0: Hey guys, welcome to The View from the Front. My name is Stan, and this is the January 11th edition. Hope everyone is doing amazing out there from wherever you're joining us. We have a lot to cover in tonight's episode, and I can't wait to get into it. But first, just a bit about me and a little bit about what the show is about. Just in case you're one of those new folks who have stumbled across it, which seems like every week we have a few more new folks that sometimes reach out to me, so welcome if you're one of them. Uh, a bit about it myself, I am a vet. I spent four years in the Marine Corps, all of that time in the infantry. After my enlistment, I exited military service and spent more than 10 years in the news business. Now, besides all of that, I've written 12 books. They include military thrillers, police detective novels, and war literature. So, Thanks to all of your all's help out there. I've been fortunate to have sold more than 70,000 copies so to date. So thank you if you're one of those who have bought one or told others about it. Um, proudly, independently published. And um, so other than this really, really small channel and, and podcast that I'm doing, it's you guys who are helping those books get sold. So I really appreciate all those. Out there who are telling others about it If you've never seen my books or, or in any way interested in any of those ideas That I just mentioned You can find them on Amazon Just search Stan or Mitchell Or you can check out the links in the episode notes So what do I do here every week? So every episode I try to do three broad things First I cover hot spots happening around the world Secondly I try to help unite the nation and then finally, I always share at the end of the show some motivation and inspiration because we all need that. And then I also share just a little bit of information for veterans especially or anyone who's struggling with PTSD or mental illness or those who are just sometimes really low and emotionally just kind of down, feel like they're stuck in the ditch. I do all of that at the end of each episode. Now, you might say, rightly, why stand? Why do you do these things? No one cares about defense news. No one cares about foreign policy. And I will concede that this is mostly true. But I also know that not caring leads us to getting involved in wars that we might not need to get involved in. A good example of that is the Vietnam War. Not caring soon enough led to us staying longer than we even should have on what was obviously a mistake. But also not caring about foreign policy has led to America selling out the Kurds in northern Iraq, and they had fought so hard against ISIS for us and for the rest of the world. Not caring also led America to take its eye off the ball in Afghanistan, where we expanded that initial war, which was for a good cause, into this very large, ambitious, democracy-creating project for which the initial war was never intended. And then we later abandoned that entire effort 20 years later when we probably could have maintained some semblance of order there in a sustainable fashion. So, uh, Finally, we have to care because we have folks on both sides of the aisle who think we don't even need a capable military. Some on the far left, they want to defund it or cut it down to a dangerously small force. Some on the far right say we shouldn't be the world's policemen. They argue for basically isolationism, and I understand those views, and in fact, I once held those very same views. But because of all these reasons, we have to start focusing on foreign policy as a country. And I believe pretty strongly that we have to remain engaged as a country in the world in order to, d- to deter the plans of Russia and China and even Iran. I believe that to not remain engaged and as a force for good would lead to untold death and destruction by these countries as they bully, intimidate, and invade their neighbors. And at some point we'd have to get involved, the same as we eventually had to get involved during World War I when German subs started sinking shipping in international waters. The same thing happened 20 years later in World War II when We were starting to get drawn into it far before Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. Bottom line is this, the world is simply too small for us to totally isolate, and history has proven time and time again that when we pull back, cruel, evil tyrants expand their empires, and in the end, war eventually follows us home. In my opinion, it is better to stay engaged and maintain and strengthen strong alliances, that incentivize countries across the world to follow the rule of law. Now, besides covering our military and hotspots around the world, I also try to unite the country. We all know a house divided cannot stand, and our wide and often angry and dangerous division is our greatest threat. So I try my best each show to not put down any Republicans or Democrats, to not name call. I truly try to unite us. I also try to be as calm and optimistic as possible because we all get too much negative news with folks saying the world is ending. And when it's all said and done, we must love our neighbor. It's not only biblical, it's also common sense, and it's the only way to hold everything together. Finally, as I said earlier, at the end of each episode, I always share a few words of encouragement because we all know that motivation can really fire you up. It also doesn't last, so I'm betting you could probably use some positivity and encouragement in your life. I really appreciate you being patient, allowing me to share this rather long introduction in this TikTok world of ours, Uh, but I think it's important people hear what I'm about. I also think it's important that the regular listeners hear this message enough that it sinks in, that it reinforces what you believe, that it strengthens you in a way that you can encourage your friends and neighbors to become better involved and to pick up the mantle of being active citizens. And so that maybe, just maybe, we can start to pull this country together. And as each of us act in small ways, putting out these tiny individual beacons of light, our overall light will grow brighter and stronger. And just maybe, we can start to make an impact on our great land. In all honesty, I feel like if you listen to a single episode and it doesn't affect you, if you aren't a little more positive about our country, its future and your own emotional and mental fortitude. Then I feel like I've I've fallen short of the goal that I have. So, without question. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, without question, we face great challenges as a country, but we've stood together for more than 240 years, and it's only by coming together and remaining optimistic about what lies ahead that we can pass on a better future to our kids. So, with all of that out of the way, let me begin the show. I want to share one piece of personal news, and then we'll get into the real news. So, let me begin. got a, a compliment last week that completely made my day. So, it comes from a um, person on Post News that goes by Jab Glib. I just wanted to share the uh, compliment Uh, they were given a shout out to the show and they said they called themselves this golden rule following atheist is what how they describe themselves but appreciates the view from the front weekly podcast by stan r mitchell stan gives an update of what is going on in the last week in the russian invasion of ukraine and exudes positivity which is greatly needed in our current world i appreciate the motivational statements even the ones from the Bible, when that totally made my day, obviously, at the end, as well as the outreach to those contemplating suicide. Thanks for filling a much-needed niche, stand. And then uh, he says, because they are a bit lengthy, and I confess they are, uh, I listen to them at one and a half speed, but he says, don't cut anything to make them shorter with an exclamation point. So I have tried, as you guys know, the regular listeners anyway, I've tried to cut them in the past, and... It doesn't work. And honestly, like part of me, I just feel like I need to be different because I feel like we've tried to. Everything in the world has um, just gotten so much more compressed and shorter and tighter, and our attention spans are so short. And sometimes the old becomes cool again. And just like some people went back to records, some people are even going back to VHS, which is crazy. But I think we need a weekly show that just tells everyone to like just sit down, calm down, let's all relax, let's get a little better informed, let's get a little better motivated and whether you're listening on a a, a treadmill or while you're out on a walk or maybe you've got ear pods in regardless what that is. I I just don't feel that trying to compress it and give these like 20 second sound bites, the news already does that. And the news already barely covers anything anyway. Now, if you're one of the newer listeners, and there's quite a few of you out there, um, if if you're not aware of the two-year history, let me just briefly say that, and then we'll get to the news, I promise. Uh, But started a couple years ago, I just wanted to find a way to highlight the military. As a veteran, I cared a lot about that. We were um, kind of clearly headed toward the end stages of Afghanistan service. Increasingly, American vets were very or uh, increasingly having a lot of heartburn about that as the Trump administration started working its way out and then the Biden administration so that's what it kind of initially started as, and I just felt like vets didn't get enough attention or credit and so that's what started as and then the the invasion of Ukraine began with uh, Russia just a massive invasion and I really wanted to cover it and update people because all the stuff on the news was overblown. much of it incorrect. And then at some point I started adding in some motivation in there because I've always liked trying to motivate people, try to help inspire them. And then go back to uh, November of 2022 and I restarted my faith journey in Christianity. And so in the past I'd put what I called motivation and wisdom. So I'd put some like light spiritual stuff in there with the motivation. But then at some point it just felt like that I need to be authentic about my faith and what it was doing for me. So you know, the Bible and Christianity has helped me so much, so I started sharing a little bit about that. And then I started more and more putting stuff in about vets and PTSD at the end of each episode. So, you know, Christianity has literally helped transform me and it's you know given me new meaning and new energy and happiness. So I'll never really push it hardcore. I don't think that's what I was called to do. Uh, but I do believe in planting seeds. So if reading a few verses helps reach a person or two, then that's amazing. And, um kind of looking back two years back now, it's like in some mysterious way, in, in like this really mysterious way that God works, it's almost like all of this was planned all along. But I'm glad that uh, folks like Jabglib, Glib, who are, he says, literally atheists, aren't offended by me sharing a few verse verses at the end. Uh, I don't plan on ever being pushy about it. I've had pushy Christianity as a kid. Those who do know me know I have a complicated past with Christianity, and let me tell you, pushy does not work, so if the way i am doesn't attract someone to get into the bible or search those things then you know there's there's nothing that i can do that would um you know attract anyone anyway so okay i'm stumbling for words but you get what i'm saying there you go see i can't really be pushy because i'm not i'm not a pushy christian i've just i've had i've had that done to me and it is not cool and it doesn't work Okay, so with all that out of the way, we have a ton of news to get to, and we'll start with U.S. news. I want to begin the news by talking about one piece of foreign policy news that actually probably did make a lot of news the past few days, and so I'm only going to talk about it for a few moments, but... Uh, that piece of news involves our military and it involves our secretary of defense, Lloyd Austin. Now he, it has now come out what happened, but he was hospitalized and there was all this intrigued about what was it. He did not notify his chain of command. Uh, the president wasn't even aware that he had had the surgery. So I speculated at the time among some friends. I was like, it had to be a small surgery that he went into that he thought wouldn't be a big deal that he probably wanted to keep private and then something escalated out of control with some complications, which is actually exactly what happened. Uh, it's come out since then that he had a, uh, I don't want to get too much into the details, but he did have his prostate removed. Uh, it was complicated and he was hospitalized. Um, but looks like full recovery. He's back working. Everything's fine. What's not fine is that there's been lots of media attention on this. As there should be. It was a huge mistake by him. I'm a big fan of... Uh, Prior Retired General Lloyd Austin, I think he's done a phenomenal job traveling the world, building relationships, um, adjusting the posture of U.S. forces in the Pacific against China as they counter it, and helping rally Europe and much of the world in aiding Ukraine. He's got good relationships there. I think even he would admit this was a pretty big mistake. So I think he's rightly going to be raked over the coals for this i think he did make the president look bad but i also as i was chatting with some of my national security friends so to speak the people who are like me who love talking about this and ingesting it and constantly keeping up with it i just believe that um he's done a great job and it is the absolute worst time to request his resignation or demand it. Um, I think there's too much going on. We can't even get Ukrainian funding, additional funding through Congress right now. You've got, you know, impeachment stuff happening. We've got a massive budget fight. And to me, uh, the man's done a great job. He made a mistake. He needs to admit the mistake. If he hasn't already, and he may have, um, I'm certain he knows it was a mistake. He needs to own it. And I think we need to move on. So I'm not going to say a lot about that. That's my views. There's just much bigger considerations going on. It was definitely a mistake. No question about it. Uh lots of big name people who have kept up with this other than myself, uh good examples, uh General Mark Hurtling, he also believes that, you know, this is a it was a mistake without question. But that uh, General Lloyd Austin has done a great job as Secretary of Defense and we just need to not allow the political morass of Congress to to lose him right now would be horrible. To even try, you know, we just had a Senator Tommy Tupperville hold up 300 plus generals for almost, you know, for months and months and months. One Senator held them up. Can you imagine trying to confirm a new Secretary of Defense right now? It's insane to even consider it, honestly. So... As Congress muddles through its functions, as Congress is literally the Republicans on the House are talking about possibly replacing their leader again, would be one of the shortest served leaders ever. It's just, they can't even do the basic blocking and tackling. And so this is not the right time to replace the Secretary of Defense. So that's my thoughts on it. If you guys have different views, I'd love to hear it. Uh, There might be more come out, I guess, but I feel like they have finally, after days of not coming fully out with what happened, they have come out with it. I think he was not exactly proud to admit of the surgery that he needed to have. He took some leave, tried to have it, but it was handled wrong. And I've said that to my friends, some of whom are more critical of him or less critical. But the reality is, if if the same thing had happened to a low-ranking Marine or soldier If you did not inform your chain of command of something like this and could not report to duty or were not available to be reached, it would not be good. You would absolutely be written up. You would, potentially, depending on how far they wanted to push it, be charged. So the normal side of me, the law and order side, the stern side of Stan, when all this was initially happening, wanted to say this is just completely unacceptable. We cannot have this. And he needs to resign. But that was for like a millisecond. You can't look at the world right now and see everything happening and not say, whoa, 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 like this is just one of those deals where it's almost like, you know, some banks are too big to fail. This is a situation where you've got someone who's done an incredible job, who has a distinguished military career in a position that will not be easily replaced even even with a good Congress, I don't think he would be easily replaced. I think he's done an incredible job, but it was a big mistake. So I think he's owned up to it. I think we have to move on. That's my thoughts. But again, if you have different thoughts, let me know because it was a situation, and it, it was not good for the country. We cannot have the Secretary of Defense unavailable for any type of command situation. With everything going on with Russia and North Korea and China at times, Uh, And then the assistant secretary of defense had no idea as well. Like, this is absolutely unacceptable. Assistant secretary of defense wasn't even in the country because um, she didn't know as well, so this can't happen. But at the same time, it's kind of like a bad football loss for a team. Sometimes you don't want to replace the coach because you replace the coach, you lose half the players, and then you got to go on this long recruiting spill, blah, blah, blah. Well, this isn't football, but if you remove him, I don't think – I don't even think we'd have a secretary of defense in place in three to six months from now, much less the Ukraine situation. And every single person who wanted to be secretary of defense would be grilled about Ukraine. Can they win? Is it a stalemate? Should they be funded? What's your views on it? Blah, 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 blah. And it would just get dragged out, especially, you know, it's increasingly obvious that China is using TikTok and other Um, media operations by bots to try to turn Americans against Ukraine funding, the last thing we need as a country is to go through that type of a confirmation process. So that's my views. Again, love to hear your uh, input. I always say my email at the end, or you can just comment on the show. Okay, so let's move from that to... I'm only going to share just a brief amount about this next story, but I still feel it was important enough to mention... And it's kind of a continuation of some stories we've covered in previous episodes. So I want to just at least put it out there. Because this is the kind of important stuff that the media never covers this stuff, ever. And a lot of times, by just kind of documenting in your own mind or in shows such as this, some of these small bullet points that don't typically make the media, sometimes you could see long-term a big-picture story that uh, otherwise you wouldn't be... As aware of, so the uh, story I'm talking about here is that the Pentagon had a uh, two-day set of meetings with Chinese military officials. There's a name for there's a major general from China whose name I probably would would not be able to pronounce very well, uh, and some other officials, and then there's some U.S. names as well. I'm not going to get into the weeds on all that. I've got a link to the story if you want to. Uh, check that out but the main thing is i wanted to share a line from that uh news release like i said you're not you're not gonna find a whole lot of articles on this but the uh, department of defense did put out a news release on it and uh just wanted to read a couple things from it one um one of the officials involved is a gentleman by the name of dr chase uh and one of the quotes that he made as a part of that summary was uh He highlighted the importance of maintaining open lines of military-to-military communication in order to prevent competition from veering into conflict. Now, those are the words that I've been saying for like a year plus, as I've quoted uh, folks in the State Department and Department of Defense. That's that's what the U.S. constantly says is competition with China from veering into possible conflict. And we've obviously highlighted all, not all, but many of the incidents of fighter jets getting too close, ships getting too close, etc., etc. So there's been a frustration from the U.S. military side that there was no military-to-military communication. A couple of months ago, President Biden hosted uh, the president of China, Xi Jinping. We covered that, obviously. They talked about that there would be military-to-military communication And then China didn't do anything for, like, multiple weeks. And then that started to grow into a bigger story. And then China finally began some of that communication. So this was a follow-up meeting to discuss additional steps and ways that the two militaries can communicate, which is hugely crucial. I talked about that a lot when we were discussing this. If you're not really in the know on, you know, Cold War history... With the Russians, we had ways to communicate so that small incidents that kind of were slightly escalating, we could easily de-escalate them because we had lines of communication. Not having that with China was dangerous, but hopefully we are establishing them and this isn't some kind of just head fake by China, which it could be, but I did want to report on it. But interestingly, during the discussion, uh, Dr. Chase, this was the second thing I wanted to make sure I mentioned. Unquote, underscored the importance of maintaining operational safety across the region, and he reaffirmed that the United States will continue to fly, sail, and operate safely and responsibly, wherever international law allows. That's obviously an important thing to get across to China, because that is where the friction is increasingly happening in the Pacific. You know, a lot of people will talk about from time to time some type of a uh, embargo or stranglehold of Taiwan or even an invasion or just a missile barrage. But what we've seen the past year or two is that there are tons of small incidents, such as we covered a couple of weeks ago in the Philippines, where the Chinese Navy will try to stop resupply of an island or they'll do something really aggressive. And I mean, they will literally... Push right up to the line, with in the case of the Philippines, that is a, a country that we've had a mutual ally, alliance with. Uh, I talked about the mutual defense treaty that we had with them, going back forty, fifty years, and so those those are very dangerous things. And China, like as I've often said, they're almost like a, a bully in the in the playground. They push just as far as they can, as absolutely as far as they can. Such as that incident where there were troops there that need to literally be supplied, they push right up to the limits. And so it's important that, one, if you know someone's going to push you right up to the limits, you got to quit taking steps back because every step you take back, they're just going to keep pushing. But also, it was important that we say in that meeting we're not giving up international waters. We have to, as a part of a very much larger picture, including countries from Europe, especially. The United Kingdom, even you'll hear about France, some um, some of the other countries there as well. They understand that these sea lanes have to stay open, and as China tries to grow its military in its reach, they have to be held in check. And so that's that's what's trying to that's what the the big picture is. I said I'd only talk about that for a couple minutes, and look at me go, that was probably five minutes. Okay, so Let's move to a story in the Middle East that I wanted to cover. And I will say, there were again uh, Houthi missiles fired and drone attacks along the Red Sea. I feel like I've covered that story well the past few weeks. I'm not covering it again. Nothing bigger has really happened. There have been slightly larger attacks, but for the moment at least, no real escalation. Could be at any time, but I've been saying for weeks that if you were Houthis, you should not be sleeping too well, because they have definitely been pushing their luck. But I want to move away from Yemen and the Houthis to a situation that happened in Iraq, because this is a story that, it's kind of like a story in three layers. Now, shortly after the last podcast went out, so it's kind of dated, and like all foreign policy news, it kind of made the news for like half a day, (laughs) and Honestly, probably some of y'all didn't even hear about it, but U.S. forces did, in Iraq, conduct a strike inside Iraq. So they did a, uh, a strike against a leader of one of the Iranian-backed groups. Now, I probably can't say his name very well, and you probably wouldn't know it anyway, but he was the leader of one of the Iran-backed uh, terrorist groups, is what we're terming them, that operates in both Iraq and Syria. Now, here's a a couple things I want to mention about it. The first is that I always get this question, like, why are we still in Iraq? So the background is, is the U.S. is still there as a part of uh, Combined Joint Task Force Operation Inherit Resolve, which is a mission to advise, assist and enable partnered forces in the defeat of ISIS within designated areas of Iraq and Syria. So that's kind of a textbook answer. Inside Iraq, U.S. is working in partnership with Iraqi security forces and the Kurdish, Kurdish security forces to carry out that mission. Now, a couple of things I want to get into because I, I like to sometimes get into this stuff. Uh, first of all, and I'm not sure why we do this, but we called it a self-defense strike and in the statement from the Pentagon we said that when our forces are threatened just like we would anywhere else in the world we will maintain the inherent right of self defense to protect our forces now i might be wrong but i don't think this guy was like in the process of firing a missile or something i think we had a opportunity to take him out he probably was behind some previous attacks and he probably was planning a an additional attack but i don't know why we got to call it self defense like why not just say you know he was a highly wanted man, or whatnot. I don't know. To me, when you get in the gray areas and start saying self-defense, if you can't really prove it, you start to undermine your credibility in our military. Through the past, you know, 80, 100 years, going back to Vietnam, World War II, Korea, et cetera, we've had times where military credibility and what they were saying, especially like in Vietnam, you could barely believe a word they were saying. We've had times where we've had very, you know, honest, and pretty open dialogue from the military so it's always going kind of up and down but to me when you start saying self-defense unless you really you know i'm just a marine infantryman but to me self-defense is someone aims a rifle at you and then your rules of engagement allow you to engage it you take your shot that's self-defense guy planning something i don't know if i call that self-defense you can say it's an opportunity a target that needed to be taken out You could say it was retaliation for previous strikes. You could say any of those things, but let's just watch our words. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. Second thing was that um, you got to think about this, and this is one of those things you'll never read. But why did we have to use either a drone or airstrike? Um, I'm not sure that it's released, and it's probably in some story. It was probably a drone strike because those are smaller uh, projectiles. But it does make you wonder. We have this partnership with Iraq. We have the location of this individual. And I'm not. And I'm don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say we needed to apprehend him. What I am saying is why did we not trust the Iraqi forces to get this guy? Because we have this partnership with them. After this. After this strike happened immediately. The Prime Minister of Iraq said that he is going to begin the process of getting all U.S. forces out, so it definitely damaged relations, at least publicly. They were furious. Comments were made. So that started to be a story, you know, would the U.S. have to withdraw from Iraq? Now, just in case you're not aware of the whole ISIS mission, let me just say one more thing before I get more into that point I want to make, which is that the it seems like we forget so fast in America but at one point ISIS was creating its own caliphate its own country and they got within 24 kilometers of Baghdad and that's when the counter-ISIS mission began and they began to retake large parts of Syria and Iraq using Iraqi forces also using the Kurds which unfortunately we later sold out but the ISIS threat was pretty serious for a while And so our forces continue to stay there, but we're partly there to help counter Iran and Iranian influence. But we do this strike because apparently we can't trust the Iraqis to get this guy or to strike him themselves. Again, I mean, it's I I don't know if like the communication isn't there, if we thought it would get leaked, if we thought maybe they'd say, no, we're scared of Iran. Like that's the kind of stuff that is like in a probably in a great You know, fictional thriller if it was written. There's probably more there that we don't know. But I'm just pointing it out because as someone that keeps up with the stuff, these are the things that you got to say, why did we do it then? We haven't done many strikes inside Iraq in a while. We know we're on somewhat fragile footing with them. So like, why this? Was he that important of a target? Is Iranian influence inside the Iraqi military so strong that if we were to say, hey, we need to get this guy, either apprehend him or take him down or use an Iraqi you know, drone, an Iraqi jet or helicopter to do this strike, do we not even trust them to pull that off without it getting leaked? Those are the kind of things I'm kind of just genuinely curious about. So just to get your mind going. So we do this strike it is announced, so kudos to the Defense Department for admitting it. Uh, then the Iraq prime, Iraqi Prime Minister absolutely publicly goes crazy and says, we got to get out, he overreacts, etc. And so I went into this week thinking, uh, I've got to talk about like the strategic situation of U.S. forces coming out because the Iraqi Prime Minister is livid, this isn't good. And then today... Uh, and I've got a link, by the way, to a Reuters story that the headline is Iraq prepares to close down U.S.-led coalition's mission. You can read that link. And as you read it, it seems like, oh, man, this is going to happen. This is bad. And then so I was going into the day expecting to do that story. And Politico reaches a story or releases a story. I want to share just a couple parts from it. And you can read the link in the Substack notes. The headline, though, Iraqi officials privately signal they want U.S. forces to stay. Let me just read a couple of graphs. Iraq's prime minister privately told American officials that he wants to negotiate keeping U.S. forces in the country, despite his recent announcement that he would begin the process of removing them from the country. Senior advisors to Iraqi prime minister... Uh, Muhammad al-Shia al-Sudani told U.S. officials that his declaration was, quote, an attempt to satisfy domestic political audiences and that Sudani himself remained committed to negotiating the coalition's future presence in Iraq. And this is according to a January 6th State Department cable that was obtained by Politico. I could go on a little bit of a divergence on that, I suppose, but usually when something like that is leaked there's someone who has a reason now maybe it was to you know to to kind of quell the growing media scrutiny of why are we in iraq should we get out what will this mean etc etc so maybe that was kind of released so that uh it would kind of do what it's doing right now which is changing exactly how i'm reporting it to you guys which is that this was all a stunt by the iraqi prime minister um and then just a little bit of background from that political Politico story, which I thought was uh, worth sharing. Um, let me just share a couple more graphs. Iraq's willingness to keep U.S. troops in the country is critical for the Biden administration. The U.S. sees its presence in Iraq as important for not only preventing a resurgence of ISIS, again, that's a dangerous group, they were powerful in the past, but also for countering Iranian influence in the region Any decision by al Sudani to kick American forces out of the country would also undermine the administration's effort to prevent the war in Gaza from widening. While U.S. officials have been told that Iraq is willing to discuss keeping American forces in the country, it is possible that political machinations inside the Iraqi parliament force or inside the Iraqi parliament, force him to take steps to remove American forces. So they do put the disclaimer that clearly people inside Iraq's parliament are not happy about this strike. And so maybe the prime minister kind of gets overridden by just popular opinion. So I did want to kind of give you the, the, the wide lens of what is happening But just the fact that it did upset the prime minister so much and those in parliament is obviously a balancing act. So this guy, I would love to know why the decision was made that this strike had to be made. Either he had that much blood on his hands or he was planning something big enough. And it is possible that he was. Maybe there wasn't time to get the Iraqis involved. But if there wasn't, you know, as our partnership that week that we couldn't, you know, there's just a lot of or their capabilities that bad that they can't quickly cordon off an area and seize a guy? Do they not control the area the guy was struck? You know, maybe there's a local militia there and maybe the Iraqi army's not strong enough to even go in there and get him. Just, those are the kind of things that I would love to dig into and find out the answers to. But we're just, there are so many little situations happening in the Pacific, in the Middle East or in Gaza and Yemen that it's just hard to really like hone into. Maybe as the show gets bigger someday, uh, I'll have the opportunity that I can find someone who is an expert on Iraq who does nothing but focuses on Iraq week by week by week. And I can say, hey, why do you think we we did a strike, a targeted strike versus using Iraqi forces? I would love to know that answer. If any of you guys listening see that answer, whether it's, I almost say Reddit, but I don't want to say Reddit. But if you see somewhere on social media where... Someone who's you know very well informed on the Middle East or Iraq who has put out reasons for why they think that is, I would love to know, and I'll give you a shout out. I'll share it next show. okay, let's move from that to kind of another cool story that made absolutely no news, and what that story involves is u s policy in space now, honestly. A few years ago, I used to make fun of Space Force, and as a Marine, I'm kind of obligated to probably, but I do appreciate all branches, all service members, etc. And the reality is, the stuff happening in space is way more important than the ground pounders like me who are in the infantry. I hate to say that, but, you know, the infantry jobs are sexier, but can I say that one rifleman is as important as someone who's helping keep up like the GPS or the communication link or some of the satellite stuff happening. Probably not, so you know, I'm I'm gonna become a dinosaur and the infantry stuff is probably mostly, you know, gonna become somewhat a relic as drones and everything else and robots come in. But I'm getting off track. I wanted to cover a space force story though, because it is important and Uh, This is, like I said, it got no attention that I'm aware of. In fact, the very link that I've got in the substack notes are from the uh, Defense Department. So this is like such a small story that it was uh, part of a change of command, if I remember right. But I'm just going to share a few key graphs from it. This uh, involves the Secretary of Defense, Secretary uh, Secretary Kathleen Hicks. So a couple of quotes that were worth sharing. Um, First of all, a quote. That she said, I want to be clear, conflict is not inevitable in space or anywhere else. And the United States of America is committed to preventing conflict through deterrence by making clear to our competitors that the costs of aggression would far outweigh any conceivable benefits. So I don't know about you, but that's like a comforting sentence to me. Because sometimes you'll see conspiracy theories or uh, preppers or people who... They almost like cheer for the end of the world or something, or love thinking about worst case disasters or contingencies. Thus, they say things like, "What if the whole internet went out?" or these, you know, there's some kind of space that they always have the craziest ideas. And I always usually tell people when someone says something I have no idea about, I usually say, "Well, in most cases, you know, people in our military are actually planning some of these things. They're actually trying to worst case this and war game it and think it out." Not that they always have an answer, not that they won't sometimes be caught flat-footed, as many times in history they have been, but there's also many times in history, many of which we don't know about, in which they were prepared for or stopped things from happening. So, you know, we have to be... All things in moderation. You have to be moderate in your approach. If you, Not that bad things can't happen, but let's, let's not overreact in our fears. So, I like that sentence, that... We've known for a long time that there probably are certainly weapons of various types in space and that it's important that the, I like that line about that our competitors know that the cost of aggression will far outweigh uh, any conceivable benefits. Now, this is where, this is some really cool stuff that I did not know. So hopefully you don't either. And I'm part of what I like to do is try to inform people. So let's see if you know this stuff. So Hicks goes on to say that America's dynamic commercial space industry enables it and also enables the United States to significantly outpace growth in space launches and payloads over the last five years. So if you don't pay much attention to it, you would say, oh, I think China's passing us up. Or, you know, you'll hear other stories of some countries launching this or that. But let's get into the weeds. So the Defense Department releases that from 2019 to 2023, so that's four years, China doubled its number of annual space launches and more than tripled how many payloads it put into orbit. So Kathleen Hicks says that's real growth. So four years, they double the number of space launches. That I mean, that's a big deal. Double anything is a big deal. And they tripled how many payloads they put into orbit. And so you read that and you're like, dang, is, is China winning this? Is this what, Maybe the conspiracy theories theorists are right. Maybe China takes out all these GPS satellites, all the communication stuff, or debit cards don't work, and oh my goodness, the whole world's going to end, and you're going to be like eating beans and we're going to be shooting each other, and all this stuff you hear all the time. That's what people love to spread, those kind of fake theories and false theories or overhyped theories, or whatever how you want to term it. I'm not trying to put these people down. I've been worried about stuff like that in the past, but usually if you get better informed on something, you become less scared. Not that you shouldn't prepare for some things, but as you know, many people take it way too far. And I literally have a friend who took it too far, bought tons of ammo, all kinds of stuff. And I used to joke, and he used to say what I would do, and I'd be like, dude, I'm going to come take your stuff, which is mostly me joking. But the reality is, is it put a strain on his marriage as he would buy guns and other stuff, often without telling his wife. And a few years later, they end up divorced. So is some type of, you know, apocalyptic thing possible? Well, of course, anything's possible. Is it also possible that you overly worry about something and affect your happiness or your relationships with your family? Yeah, absolutely. And it happens all the time. And I bet you all know someone who that happens with. So let's get better informed. So on this very thing, I've just said China in four years doubled its annual space launches, triple payloads put into orbit. You read that and you're like, my goodness, China's, they're lapping us. Like, these conspiracy theorists are right. Like, we're going to lose the internet. We're going to lose it all. But you continue. Over the same time, so over four years, American space launches per year quadrupled. So China doubled in four years. American space launches quadrupled. I don't think most people are aware of that. So, apples-to-apples comparison. In four years, China doubles space launches. Over the same time, America quadruples. Double versus four. Now, again, let's talk payloads. I said earlier, China tripled the number of payloads in four years. Tripled. U.S. payloads launched increased by nearly 13 times. So, again, China tripled we increased our payloads by nearly 13 times. So Kathleen Hicks goes on to say, in 2023, China launched 240 payloads to orbit, while the U.S. lofted only 2,500 payloads. So again, China, 240 payloads to orbit, U.S., 2,500. 240 to 2,500. I mean, that's crazy and what's even crazier is kathleen hicks says as the department of Defense invest more in space the whole of america's lead will only grow and so this kind of ties into what i was saying earlier about why i think it's important to stay engaged and that we keep a capable military because we've seen that china is aggressive they're very aggressive they're going to push the limits and so if you start cutting back on our space force, you start cutting back on our military, then you can encourage a country like China, which is ruled by a dictator who is worried about his own infamy, his own personal gain, his personal glory. If you make something too weak, you're going to let someone, you know, it's not just going to be China trying to push in on the Philippines or push in on Taiwan. China's going to push in on space. And so just a good example of why it's just so important that we stay prepared. And, you know, in the Marine Corps, they used to always say, if you want peace, prepare for war. And, like, you know, the Christian side of me is like, oh, you know, let's, can't we all just get along? Can't we have peace? Can't we just pray together? or Whatever. But we live in a world where that's just not a reality. And you can obviously take parts of the Bible where there's preparation for war, being ready for things, but... This is just a good example of we've seen China's intentions. You, you, can't, you can't watch the amount that they have just poured into military spending. And I mean poured. And I should have had more facts ready for this whole point, but I didn't expect to make it. But I've made it in previous episodes about you know almost doubling military spending. And you've got to say, why? why are you doing this? It would be like if you saw your neighbor across the street start boarding up windows, start putting up concertina wire, you start, you know, you see them hauling in weapons. Maybe, you know, you start to see that kind of stuff and you're like, what is going on? Maybe I need to go walk across the street and talk to them. But maybe I also need to start thinking, hey, how are we going to handle it if, you know, these threats they're saying, they're shouting and they're putting signs up and they're starting to look aggressive. How are we going to handle it? And, that's what the world is doing as China has done this. It's like, well, let's not just have this one little house deal with them. Let's all start to talk together and just say, hey, you guys need to like really calm down because the whole neighborhood's concerned. And we're kind of coming together to say, if you do certain things, there's going to be certain consequences. So that's kind of the broad view from up high. Now, I want to cover one more... Quick thing about the U.S. military, and this has been years and years coming. I remember maybe even four or five years ago, but it you probably could go back 10 to 15 years, but you could certainly go back to the Me Too movement, which I guess is what, 2018, 2019. Uh, I might be off a bit on the years, but you can go back to 2015, 2010. I believe even during the Obama administration, there were Senate... In congressional hearings about sexual harassment and sexual assault in the military, and a lot of senators and congressmen would say we have to get the um, we have to get the folks who are investigating and prosecuting these crimes out of the chain of command because a lot of this stuff was barely being punished and investigated, if at all. And it's been a horrific um, situation clearly for the past couple. I really, a couple decades of selling it way short. I was in the 90s, as 80s, as women became more and more brought into the military. The way that they were treated was horrible. And there's no one who served during those times who isn't aware of that and doesn't know that that was a reality. But as you get into the 2000s, 2010s, and more and more women begin to get into the military, and as our recruiting became increasingly more challenging to get the, hit the numbers we needed, Congress increasingly started getting involved and they said, we got to deal with these sexual harassment stories. And there would be these big ones that would pop up from time to time, maybe once every few months. And very rarely would hardly anything happen to the men who sexually harassed, harassed or assaulted women. Sometimes they raped them. But because of the buddy system, because of the Fears of reporting some of it from some of the women, etc. You know, just horrible things happened. Things happened at the academies. I believe it was the Air Force Academy had a bad situation. But you don't have to Google much to find lots on this. So fast forward to today. In the past week, it's come out that the military has finally... Now, the military has been very resistant to give it to complete civilian control. That's what many of the congressional leaders and senators have wanted is they said, hey, let the civilian world prosecute, investigate and prosecute these crimes. And that way there won't be like, oh, so-and-so's a captain and the colonel knows the captain or the captain doesn't want to tell on the colonel. Let's just get like civilian investigators involved. Now, the military has been very resistant to that for lots of reasons, but we have our own, uh, you know, UCMJ, we have our own forms of Investigations and rules and all of that procedures. And it's worked, you know, I would say fairly well the past hundred plus years as we've refined it and changed it. But as a part of responding to the pressure from Congress and the Senate, the military finally did something that I think is pretty big. So beginning this week, like I said, it was just announced, uh, and I'll just read parts of it. The decision to prosecute sexual assault and several other other serious crimes has moved from an accused service member's chain of command to new Offices of Special Trial Counsel. Now, like the military, they got to name it very awkwardly. Very awkwardly. And, in fact, they have an acronym that makes no sense, but OSTCs, Office of Special Trial Counsel. So this offices of special trial counsel, if I can even say it, will have general or flag officer leaders who report directly to the secretaries of the military departments. So what they've done is they've created this completely different silo that will probably aggressively investigate and prosecute because these people are going to get promoted based on how well they do their job as they report to their flag officer. And the secretary of defense and the Secretary of the Army, and the Secretary of the Navy, they're going to have people there who say, you know, they're going to want this sexual harassment stuff dealt with, so there's going to be this incentive structure to strongly prosecute and investigate future crimes. So, a um, senior Defense Department military official said that the military justice reform is an important step in restoring faith that the system is fair just and equitable and then it goes on to say that these will be independent military attorneys uniquely qualified to address complex cases Uh, they'll handle it professionally now this is your sales pitch that they're, they're giving out but here are the offenses that will be covered under the new authority of the ostc's or office of what was the name of it Offices of Special Trial Counsel. Again, I have no idea where they get these names from. But they will investigate and prosecute not just sexual harassment and sexual assault, but murder, manslaughter, kidnapping, domestic violence, which honestly is a big deal in the military, stalking, child pornography, and most sexual assault and sexual misconduct. Uh, So this department, they're going to start getting it staffed and... Sexual harassment will become a covered offense on January 1st, 2025. So that's what, like 11 and a half months from now. And it will be for crimes committed after that date where a formal complaint is made and substantiated. So probably more will come out. I hope that the formal complaints, this is where it will get touchy, is do you have to make the formal complaint to a commanding officer or someone in your chain of command? Or can you reach out confidentially to this silo of these new investigators. That'll be probably one of the things I'd like to know more of. So I'm not sure the answer to that right now. Didn't have a chance to do a lot of research on it. It's like I said, it's just newly announced. And I look forward to hearing more about what the reception is from some of the folks serving in the military. If they think this is a good idea. Maybe there's some things I'm not thinking of, but if if I come across some of that stuff I'll definitely share it if you guys are interested but uh, kind of a big story because like I said this thing's been going on for 5 or 10 or 15, 20 years it's been going on more than that but publicly some of the congressional stuff and the hearings have definitely been going on for a decade plus so you know that's the thing about democracy is it so often moves slow but it does typically move in the right direction so it's good that some of these horrendous things that have happened. I mean, a a man in charge of a woman and using rank to sexually harass or worse, sexually assault a woman is one of the worst things that a, a person can do. And so this has gone on way too long. So I'm hoping that this thing, this new system will be more effective because it does need to be addressed because all of us would like to, without any fear or concern tell our daughters that, hey, if you want to join the military, it's a great opportunity. We don't want to worry about our daughters joining the military and being harassed or worse. So anything we can do to reduce that is a good thing. Okay, so we have one more brief news story I want to do, and then we'll get into the uh, motivation and inspiration section, which I'm kind of renaming. I used to call it the motivation and wisdom section, but I think I'm going to go with motivation and inspiration from here on out. So we're going to have one quick story, and then we'll get into that. But before we do, I just want to do the quick reminder that if you do enjoy the show, if you want to find a way to support it, you can support it for $5 per month. You can do that through Substack. You can do that through Patreon. I have links to both in the Substack notes or the episode notes if you're on YouTube. I'm on so many different places now, it's hard to keep them straight, but... In all honesty, I do have big dreams for the platform, maybe even increased frequency, but I would need some you know help justifying that time of that kind of time commitment because the reality is just like probably everyone watching this, I work a full-time job and this is just kind of something I do that kind of feels like a calling honestly. But again, you can find all that information from the Substack notes and no pressure. You can come and go as you wish. And you can find like I said all those details easily. So thanks in advance for your support. I really do appreciate it. I love doing this and I would love to do it more. And my long-term dream is maybe make this the full-time gig, but that's probably three to five years down the road. But even if it never happens, that's fine. I will say since last week I actually had a military vet reach out asking if I do interviews. And I have I would love to do interviews. I would love to do like this show maybe a couple of times a week and maybe like one or two cool interviews with vets per week or something, if it ever became a full-time job. I don't know. The one thing I've learned, as I kind of mentioned earlier in the show, is that, you know, you, you kind of have this, no one really has a perfect idea of where something is going to go or where it ends up. You just kind of have this idea, and you start to pursue this kind of vision or this concept. And as you go along, you kind of bump against the walls. You kind of make changes. You... Figure out what works, what doesn't work. I tried a 30-minute show that didn't work. But you never really know where it ends up. But I just know that, you know, if it, if it can grow into something bigger, I would love to do that. So I do feel like it's something important. I think it would help the country. I think some people will get out, get a lot out of it. And so I do appreciate the paid subscribers, which have been growing. So thanks if you're one of those folks. If you've been holding out, you want to start, that would make my day. And I will say, it kind of feels good I, uh, to sometimes to support things. I will say that there's a uh, a rock band that I support that's not too large. Uh, I was going to not say their name, but what the heck, I'll just say their name. It's Disciple. Matter of fact, I've got the bracelet on, but I do like $5 a month to them, and it feels good. It feels good to support people. I love their music, but it feels good to support people sometimes. Okay, so let's go. One final quick short story, and then we're going to get into, like I said, the motivation and inspiration section. I note that I am already at 59 minutes. I thought I was at 58, but I appreciate everyone's patience. I hope you get something from the show, but uh, I feel like it's been a pretty good show. Now, let me share one quick thing involving Ukraine. And I've got a gift link in the Substack notes. And I've covered this story, so I'm only going to barely touch it because we're hitting one hour. But there was a story in the Washington Post that I have a gift link for about Ukrainian Marines recounting the deadly mission to free towns south-slash-east of the Dnipro River. We've talked about that a lot near Kherson in the southern part of Ukraine. Probably two or three months now, I've been talking about the Ukrainian forces pushed across the river. It took took some, you know, several kilometers, and it looked like it might be something. And then it was kind of quiet, but the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, talked about it, and it's like, oh, there's this new front. Russia starts shifting forces, and we've covered in detail if you're a long-time listener lots about that and you know then Russia starts hitting these troops with these glide bombs from a long distance and then Patriot systems get moved down and shoot down three aircraft in a day and but last few weeks it seems like the outlook has increasingly been negative and I think about two weeks ago it was two or three weeks ago I shared an article from the New York Times that said that the mission was horrible they interviewed like eight or ten soldiers people off the record Talked about horrendous casualties, how bad it was. It's wet. It's marshy ground. You can barely dig in. It was poorly planned. It was a very uh, negative kind of article about the situation. And there hasn't wasn't a lot of pushback to it. Well, since then, the Washington Post had an article that's quite similar. They interviewed some Ukrainian Marines. And they it's really a good article to read if you've got a few minutes. But here's what I would say, though. And they talk about, like they try to dig in and the water's seeping in because this is marshy ground and they talk about it's poorly planned and they feel like they were used. And I get that. I, uh, you know, you can't be in the Marine Corps infantry and not know what it feels like to be used sometimes, even in peacetime. But, you know, when we went into Albania in 1997, the Marine Corps had been a little... Little, I don't want to say trigger happy, but a little loose on the trigger, so to speak, in Somalia. And so the Marine Corps had taken a lot of heat for some situations that happened in Somalia, even though they did an excellent job. But when we went in, there was a lot of pressure on us not to return fire. And so we probably took some more rounds coming in and some more risks than what we wanted. And it kind of felt unfair. And there was a lot of pressure like, hey, this is for the good of the Marine Corps. You guys got to really hold back if you can at all because, you know, they say the Marine Corps is like butchers and that you guys are going to go in there and shoot it up and blah, blah, blah. And so they put the rules of engagement on us, but there was kind of like additional pressure on top of the rules of engagement. Probably if you're military and you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Cause you've probably dealt with the same thing. My bigger point is sometimes, you know, when you're just a nobody down at the bottom and for these poor Ukrainian Marines. the rea- The reality is is, and you'll read in the article they feel like they were used. They feel like the mission was poorly planned, and I can relate to that. I felt like our exit out of Albania was poorly planned. I could go into some of the details. I probably will someday in a uh, biography book because something that happened put a ton of us at risk, and I'm still frustrated about it. And I, I don't want I don't want the officer involved to get in trouble or anything, but a lot of lives are put at risk, but there's no one I've ever talked to who ever served, who wasn't in the same situation where there are constant calculated risk. And sometimes people are put at higher levels of risk based on a certain amount of, I guess, like I said, calculated risk. It's like, Hey, this is a little more dangerous, but we're going to do this. And when you're told to do that, you salute in most cases, you salute and you do what you're told. And so, I think as I've thought about this situation in the South, as I've thought about the bigger picture, the bigger picture in Ukraine, the fact that we can't get funding through Congress, the fact that the word stalemate was being used a lot in the fall, late summer, Ukraine was desperate to make something happen. Was the mission poorly planned? It might have been. Was the mission a mistake? It might have been. Was it necessary? Was it something that needed to be tried and attempted? Probably the President of Ukraine, Zelensky, was looking for something. I would also say to those Marines who were wounded there that have taken high casualties, unbelievable levels of bombardment that the reality is is that it did force Russia to shift forces. What would that lead? What will that lead to in the future? How many lives has that helped save? And so a lot of times you can get really into the weeds. And you could say that was poorly planned. You could say this was horrendous or this was a mistake. But if you're the president of Ukraine, you've got to try something. If you're the general running the Ukrainian military, you've got to try something. You've got stalemate. You've got other things happening. There are all kinds of pressures. And so I really, my heart goes out to those who are suffering in that horrible situation down there. And you can read the article, how wet it is, how miserable. I know what it's like to be wet and very little sleep. I haven't been in anywhere near the level of combat they are. I spent two days absolutely soaked and freezing and under some level of fire at various points. Lots of, you know, adrenaline up, being scared, and then lots of periods of boredom. But the whole time you got to be alert. It's miserable. Two days almost broke me. I know how challenging that is. And they're there for longer and probably with a lot less support. But the reality is, is that. That's how war is. And sometimes the term pawn is not just a term. Sometimes you are a pawn in a bigger picture, and it's horrible. It's not fun to be the pawn. Sometimes you got to be the pawn so that the queen or the rook can do something over here. And sometimes you got to be the pawn, and there's not a queen or a rook, and it's a stalemate. And that's the way it is. You're fighting for your country. And so I did want to share the link. I have... I am, As kind of a a recap of the past year, I was optimistic about the Ukrainian chances for an offensive. I was optimistic the entire year. I have been proving basically, what, wrong maybe? It's probably fair. At least I'm honest, right? Most people, when they make a mistake, won't admit it. I was optimistic about the offensive. The reality is that it did not go as we expected. A lot of the stuff was held up. There were mistakes made. But I will always be honest with you guys. And that's that's all you can ask for, I think. is as When I listen to some of the podcasts I listen to that I trust, is that their host be honest. And so I will always be honest with you guys. I thought maybe there might be a chance in the southern part when they cross the river. At first I was very cautious. You guys know I was cautious. I talked about how difficult it was to get supplies across and vehicles. But as Zelensky started talking about it, I was like, well, maybe. And it did appear at one point might, they might have put up a, a bridge, a temporary bridge for or pontoon bridge for a short time before that was sunk. But, you know, it is what it is. And war is not pretty. Sometimes things you think will work don't work. Sometimes things that you think maybe you, a lost cause end up working. You know, who knows what will happen down there in the next week or two or the coming weeks or who knows. Things happen. But... I did want to share that link though. And I appreciate y'all's patience. I did not spend just two minutes on that, did I? But I think that that story to me, just for some reason, is you know, it's just hard when you're fighting as hard as you can and it's basically a draw and both sides are just losing large numbers of people. I had intended to cover the fact that some of the artillery I don't want to say advantages, but at least at one point it was becoming parity, equal or equality, parity between Ukraine and Russia has unfortunately tilted back to Russia's favor because we haven't been sending enough ammunition there. It's very frustrating if you're someone who supports Ukraine, who supports their fight for freedom from a very large aggressor that has committed untold war crimes and attacks on cities and abduction of kids and raping of women and execution of prisoners of war. The number of war crimes are just incredible that have happened there. So it's hard for me to sometimes I try to with a show do unity but it's hard for me sometimes to show sympathy for those who don't seem to care about the people of Ukraine. It's I don't really I've listened to some of the arguments, but I struggle to um, I guess, align myself, or even... Not align myself, but even... I, I They don't feel honest, honestly. They they don't feel... It's almost like you're putting your personal views about, like, who's president of the United States over, you know, what I would like to think of your heartfelt views toward people who are being just murderously attacked and invaded by a cruel and evil dictator. So... Okay, I've gone a little bit too long on that, but that's what a podcast is for, and I've told you I've given up on short ones. So let's get into the motivation and inspiration section. I'm kind of beating myself up because I did go a little long on that, but hopefully the heartfelt stuff comes across, and you guys understand, and I think a lot of the listeners feel what I'm saying. I hope. If I did well this week, maybe let me know because I am kind of beating myself up because we're at a minute, an hour and 10 minutes, and I am not where I want to be. But so let's go to the motivation and inspiration section. Um, I share these each week because I think all of us could use a few words of encouragement. And it's important that we remember that you matter, that you're influencing lots of people around you, and all of them can benefit from a little bit more increased volume or awesomeness from you your kids, your spouse, your friends, your coworkers. What I'm hoping is that you can infect these people with a little bit more energy, a little bit more light, a little bit more love. All of us can up our game, including me. And so I truly hope some of what I'm about to share will help you, even if it's just a little. Because let's be real, the inches matter, and small amounts of progress do pile up over time now let's get to the first one here's the first one believing in yourself is the first secret of success again believing in yourself is the first secret of success this next one is from napoleon hill it's from the early 1900s and it's a little dated as you will see in a moment because it talks about a man versus people but let me read it anyway Before success comes in any man's life, he is sure to meet with much temporary defeat and perhaps some failure. When defeat overtakes a man, the easiest and most logical thing to do is quit. That is exactly what most men do. Do not quit, right? Do not quit. The next one is kind of a rhyme. It is be savage, not average. <laughs> be savage, Be savage, not average. I can't even say it. All right, next one. Be fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Again, be fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Next one. Don't stop when you're tired. Stop when you're done. Oh, that's a good one. Especially at 10.55 p.m. on a Wednesday night. Don't stop when you're tired. Stop when you're done. Uh, next one. A dream doesn't become reality through magic. It takes sweat, determination, and hard work. And that was from retired General Colin Powell, who, for the older folks out there, like my age or older, you know he was an amazing general and commander during Desert Shield, Desert Storm. And all the way back to Vietnam, honestly. His entire story is incredible. Alright, next one. Forget all the reasons it won't work and believe the one reason that it will. Next one. The calmer you are, the clearer you think. It's another good one. Next one. This was a good one. It's about friendship. Friendship is the inexpressible comfort... So, friendship is the inexpressible comfort, meaning you can't even put it into words, of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words. That's a quote from George Eliot. I think it's a little dated, but is that amazing or what? Friendship is the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words. That is just so good. And, you know, I say, If you have someone like that, you should try to spend more time with them in the next couple of weeks. I would say in the next month or so, but the reality is is if you don't put a deadline on it, you won't do it. Because we all know, if you're even 25 or 30, that friends that you can be that honest around, they don't come along very often. They are rare, and the older you get, the harder it is to build that kind of friendship. Alright, next one. Even if you are on the right track, you will get run over if you just sit there. It's another good one. Next one, just follow your joy, always. I think if you do that, life will take you on the course that it's meant to take you. Next one, success doesn't just find you. You have to go out and get it. <laughs> I like that one. Next one, it's never too late to change yourself, to be better, to become what you might have been. Another good one. Next one, stop thinking, start doing. Do what you have to do. Start now. Next one, be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. This next one's a good one. Focus on the step in front of you, not the whole staircase. Next one, win in silence. Let them think you're losing. Next one, it only takes one person to change your life you that's pretty good next one be like a postage stamp stick to one thing until you get there man that's so good it reminds me of a quote I once read which it said something like don't dig 30 shallow wells dig one deep well way more valuable than 30 shallow wells <laughs> but we don't do that do we not in our generation it's like we bounce from things to things All the time, or ideas, or topics, or hobbies, or dreams. We just bounce, because it gets hard, and then we're like, oh, that looks easier over there. And Usually you get over there, and you realize that whatever it was you thought was easier was not easier. But again, this one is be like a postage stamp. Stick to one thing until you get there. That's a good one. All right, so let's just do a couple from the Bible. The first one is from Psalms chapter 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Man, that's good. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now, the next one is, oh, I lost my place. Give me one second here. Yeah, here we go. Here's the next one. This is from John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That was from John chapter 14, verse 27. All right, so I always like to end with this one. Be the reason that someone smiles. Be the reason that someone believes in the goodness of people. I mean, that is the goal, right? So regardless of your faith, be a decent human being, love your neighbor as you love yourself, and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Saying all that, thanks for joining us on this episode. I hope you are proud of our great country. I know it's not perfect, but I'm still proud of it, and I hope you are too. As you go through the week, remember to be kind online. Some people hear nothing but anger and vitriol the whole time. All they watch is two or three hours of news a day. They think the other side is the worst person ever. Don't fight with these people. Be like a wet blanket. Just absorb it. Ask them if they're okay. Ask them if there's anything you can do with them. Let them see that the other side is not the evil, cruel person that they think that, that the other side is. That's what they get told. Show them that's not the case. Uh, just remember that most Americans are good. And I have to finish with two quick final things. One, remember... I've got 12 books you might be interested in. be a great way to support a vet and a, I've heard, pretty good dude. I don't know if that's true or not. But again, there are military thrillers, there are crime mystery novels, and there's what I call war literature, which is just a couple of three, two or three books that are great books about war, about what it's really like to be a soldier or a marine. You can find all of those on Amazon under Stan R. Mitchell. And then, I have to talk about, as I do every episode, although I will try to be briefer today, about PTSD or suicide. But this does matter a lot to me. So, as you know, veterans are 57% higher risk of suicide than people of the same age group. But I don't just do this for veterans. We all can get in low spots in our life. But we got to remember it's a season. It's a valley. If you're having serious issues and you're a veteran... You can definitely call 988 and select 1. And I think maybe you can even call it if you're not a veteran. But the reality is that I know most of you aren't going to call it anyway. So let's just talk. I know this is hard. I know most of you aren't going to reach out for help. Because I've been there. Maybe not to the level you have. But I've had some pretty harmful bad thoughts. And so for whatever reason, we don't reach out when we're at that spot. So... I get to be the mean guy for a second, and I got to tell you, you cannot lose this fight. You cannot make your family plan your funeral. Don't be that person. Don't make them feel guilty that they didn't reach out to you. Don't do the same thing to your friends who could have reached out to you. Don't make them feel guilty. If you have a wife and family or kids, don't leave them here. If you have parents who are still alive, like who's going to take care of them in 30 years? I'm not trying to totally guilt you, but I kind of am because you don't get to make this decision. I'm going to be the guy who's the bad guy, and I'm not letting you make this terrible, terrible decision. So again, if you're a veteran, you can call 988 and select 1. 988, select 1. Actually, I wanted to look this up just to be sure, but actually anyone can call the 988 number, so it's not just a veteran. So if you're a veteran or not, you can call 988, select 1. Talk to anyone 24-7. But again, I know you probably won't. Even though you probably should, but you won't. But if you're not going to, and if you're not going to reach out for help, don't let the devil convince you that you will not be missed, that no one cares, that no one understands what you're going through. If you have a faith, lean on it. If you don't, you can lean on Christianity. You can reach out to God. He can help you. I promise he can. But I also know many of you probably won't reach out. And I know that it's kind of hard to just pray to something you may not even understand. So just grab a Bible or find one online or there's a Bible app. Just start looking through the Bible some. There are ways that you can get through this, though. And one thing I haven't added in my notes, but I decided this week I was probably going to add, is that sometimes just listening to music helps. I used to listen to Eminem a lot. Now I listen to... I always listen to hard rock, but... Now I listen to hard rock that's Christian, that's Disciple. Obviously one of my favorite groups. But sometimes just loud music gets you past that like little bit of all those thoughts in your mind. So I'm suggesting the Bible. I'm suggesting reaching out to someone. I'm suggesting calling 988 if you're that close. Or music. But you have to keep going. That's the main thing is you cannot... Make the worst decision that you can possibly make. If you don't have a family, you don't have friends, you're in a tough spot in life. there's a future family for you, there's future friends. you gotta you gotta like believe again. you gotta quit isolating yourself. There's a future out there. There's even possibly a future mission. You're thinking short term, you're drowning in your thoughts, but you can't quit. So don't you dare quit. don't make that mistake. You're in this like fog of war. It's just temporary. Get past it. There's like a mission for you. Maybe it's to help the poor. Maybe to help others with PTSD. Maybe help unite the country. Maybe run for government. Help us tackle our humongous debt load. Maybe in your future plans are to inspire some little kid out there. Maybe it's to coach a little league baseball. Help on a football team. But you gotta you stop isolating yourself. You gotta get involved. Maybe visit a church near you if you're not If you don't have some faith on your own, maybe reach out to some family that you've lost touch with, an old friend. You could do this. I recently reconnected with an old high school friend of 20 plus years. that hadn't really talked too much. It's amazing. You can do the same. So you can't give up. Uh, I actually grabbed some examples that you could text someone because as dumb as it sounds, I know it's hard to do sometimes. Let me just read three or four real quick. Here's something you can text. When you get a chance, can you contact me? I feel really alone and suicidal and could use some support. Now, I know most of you won't put that one, so there's some other ones that aren't as strong. This is a really hard thing for me to say, but I'm having painful thoughts, and it might help to talk. Are you free? That's a good one, right? Here's another one. I'm struggling right now and just need to talk to someone. Can we chat? Those are easier, right? So text somebody. Like, I guarantee if you text someone, they would call you in a heartbeat any time of day, 24-7. Now, no matter what, you can't give up. you got to be a warrior. Now, if you're doing fine and you've managed to listen through all this, maybe it's inspired you. Maybe it's, you know, done something to help motivate you to reach out of a friend, reach out to a friend. That's what I want to say. If you're doing well, you got to reach out to someone who's... You haven't talked to in a while because they might be hurting and you might be that one person who's, it's almost meant for you to call right now. So if you—if there's anyone I've shared all this stuff with that came to your mind, you should call them. The uh, Bible says in Ecclesiastes that a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So, we all serve as the hands of God. If there's someone you thought of that you haven't checked on in a while, do that. If you're really struggling, you can call 988-SELECT-1, or, as I said, reach out to God. Okay, I always like to end the show by reminding people that you can comment anytime. I try to monitor those. You can also reach out privately to me at at dot yahoo.com. You can say hi, you can vent, you can send news tips, you can say the show's too long, or I'm an idiot, or you can do any of those things. Um, I love you guys, love you all, but don't forget that God loves you more, and I will catch you next week. You have been listening to The View from the Front. My name is Stan, and I am out.